What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Arnold Palmer Invitational, the second leg of the Florida Swing, and just one week away from the Players' Championship. So a lot of great players here at a course we know and love we're going to be able to assess very, very well. Let me stop for one second and just uh, thank you for all the support, for subscribing to the channel, for liking this video. We are off to a roaring start here in 2022, and we are going to keep it going this week Let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into Bay Hill. Bay Hill Club and Lodge. Let's go. We've seen this golf course every year for, what, 40 years? Probably longer than that. But uh, the data that we have doesn't need to go back that far. And generally, what we see is thicker rough. Scoring conditions can be more difficult. They're very hard fairways to hit. They're very hard greens to hit. Uh, 13th hardest fairways to hit on tour last year. Fifth most difficult green and regulation to hit. 12th hardest birdie or better course and ninth most difficult scoring average. And if you look at the regression model, which I run every single week for uh, every single stat and every single single player going back for the last 12 years, the str most strongly correlated stat to success by rank is strokes gained approach. You'll also see the other stat that kind of stands in the top 25% of all PGA Tour courses is driving distance. Driving distance, and I talk about this a lot at kind of like US Open venues, places with thick rough, driving distance is also club head speed, right? So when you get thicker rough that wants to grab the club, it's not just driving distance that gives you an advantage. It's being able to extract your ball from the thick rough. When you have, um, you know, nearly half of the guys playing every single shot out of the rough, the guys who are playing it with uh, a higher club head speed able to extract the ball are at a significant advantage. The prime example of that is how Bryson won at winged foot. Bryson not in the field this week. As of just about an hour ago, he withdrew, still not feeling 100%. He says he's not going to risk it with the hip and the wrist. So Bryson not here, but distance and strokes gained approach, the two highest correlated stats to success over the last dozen years. I've also added in, this is new this, this week, the whole-by-whole whole scoring breakdown. So you can click through year-by-year year and see uh, how each of these holes are playing. This not only comes into uh, practice for props or things of that nature, which we can talk about in just a second, but it also helps kind of visualize this course. What are the ebbs and flows? Are there places where, hey, for showdown, maybe I want my guys to start on the back nine because there might be a birdie streak available there. So I did want to visualize this, and you'll notice um, 6 and 16, the two easiest holes on the golf course they're two par fives and uh, 16 significantly easier at least it was in 2021 if you look at 2020 you'll probably see whoops I just double clicked that that was my bad You'll probably see something a little bit similar here. Yeah, 16 is just absolutely gettable. Plays a half shot or even uh, deeper than that under par. And if we continue to scroll down, you'll see um, this course fit model. What it does is it takes the factors from the top of this page. What is most important, most highly correlated 
um, stats to success, and then it looks at whatever number of rounds that you want. I have it set for the last 24, and it finds golfers that fit that criteria, and it gives them kind of an adjusted score. Rory McIlroy, number one here. Scotty Scheffler, number two. John Rahm, number three. Probably not too much of a surprise there with Russell Henley, Hideki Matsuyama, Will Zalatoris, Keith Mitchell rounding out the next handful of golfers. But you can click through this, and you can change the number of rounds. It's a really cool calculation to take into account what we know uh, about the course and, and what has been keys to success and then finding golfers that actually fit that for whatever round uh, period that you want. So very, very fun stuff there. While we're speaking about the course, we probably have to speak about the props as well. I've been playing on prize picks. It's been awesome. And I think, I think again, they're really struggling to set these lines correctly. So a um, couple of factors here. I did a... Uh, I, I published a new tool on rickrungood.com. It's completely free. You can use it. Uh, that is for prize picks, and it's also taking to, into account now the single hole scoring aspect of this. And what I actually have done is I've loaded in the last six years of this course, and you can click through hole by hole and actually see the results. So number 16, as discussed, plays well under par as a par five. Well, Prize Picks has no other choice but to set everyone's line for number 16 at four and a half. So if you make birdie or better, you go under. If you make par or worse, you go over. You start to click through this because I've also loaded in the logs. You can click through every single golfer. Um, man, there's there's not a lot of guys that are going over four and a half. Let's just look at Rory McIlroy's career on hole number 16. He's made 14 birdies, two eagles, eight pars. So that's 16 out of what, 24 that he's gone under. That's Rory McIlroy. He's got 24 rounds under his belt. Um, even Matt Fitzpatrick, who's playing this hole at 4.27, he's gone under 17 of 22. I, I mean, I just think that I think you just smash the unders here. You just smash the unders on 16. You take your chance. The other thing is, I think they've got the greens and the fairway numbers pretty far off. So let's do a little bit of math here. Um, the average, there's 14 fairways you can hit at Bay Hill. The average golfer in the last couple of years is hitting about, they're hitting about 55% of these greens. So you do 14 times 55, you get 7.7 fairways. Sorry, fairways I'm talking about. 7.7 uh, fairways that these guys are hitting on average. Well, the line for most of these guys is nine and a half, nine, ten, ten and a half. Kisner's ten and a half. I mean, I think you also have to smash the unders on fairways. Even the um, above average golfers uh, who are who are better in driving accuracy are really going to have to go well above Bay Hill's average over the past couple of years to go over. So I think we're I think we're smashing unders here. Um, you can mess around with this tool; it's free. If you go to uh, there's a link in the description, or you can click a link here, or you can use the code Rick at Prize Picks. It's a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. They are releasing a lot of new stuff for golf, and to their credit, I think that's awesome. But I think these lines, especially for this week, are pretty exploitable. So I'll be playing over there. Uh, let's go to the cheat sheet. Five different golfers over $10,000, and the pricing did come out after Bryson, uh, yeah, after Bryson withdrew. So he is not in the field, which is really, really nice. John Rahm back at it again. 
Now, coming off maybe one of the worst finishes he's had in recent memory, the 21st place finish at the Genesis, but he is still the top-ranked player in this field if you go over the last 50 rounds. I bet you if we make this a little bit, let's do less 24. He might get surpassed here if you look at the power rankings for the last 24. Yeah, he does. He actually drops to ninth. Hideki gets up there in raw strokes gained. I bet you if I weighted this, uh, John Rahm would probably be higher than some of these guys like I don't know, Tom Hoagie, for example. No offense to Tom Hoagie. He's great. But uh, however you slice it, John Rahm is going to be one of the top couple of players in this field. Now, I want to point something out about Roy McIlroy because he's 11,100 and his history around Bay Hill is phenomenal, right? It's the win in 2018. And then in each of his last five trips, he's got top tens in every single one of them. And I think for guys like Rory McIlroy, it's really simple to be like, oh yeah, like he does this everywhere, which is not entirely true. So I actually send out a, um, I call it the Run Good Rundown. It is a a newsletter that I send out every single week, and it's got little nuggets and tidbits. I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler on Rory for this week around um, around Bay Hill. So he has 28 rounds that he's played at Bay Hill, and he is gaining over 2.4 strokes per round. There are only nine instances since 2008 in which a golfer has played that many rounds and gained that many strokes on a single golf course. Rory McIlroy is three of the instances, by the way. Jordan Spieth is three. I think Rahm is one. DJ is two. And the and the final one, anyone, anyone, anyone? Charlie Hoffman around, I believe it was TPC San Antonio. So crazy stuff. So what I'm what I'm trying to get at is, yes, Rory McIlroy very good at golf. All over the place. Uh, but he's very, 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 very good, almost to a historical context of of playing at Bay Hill. And it makes sense. He's driving the ball beautifully, as he always does. That's a huge strength there. His course fit was awesome. The T10 at the Genesis. So I, at this moment, early in the week, I look at this and I get a $300 savings off of John Rom to Roy McElroy. I've got the, his, the historic stuff. I've got the form leading in. Might be a Rory week. We'll see how the ownership plays out. I'll do the live chat on Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. We'll go through all that, talk about the leverage. But, oh boy, Rory McIlroy, certainly looking good at the moment. Victor Hovland, the respect. Thank you very much. $10,800. Scotty Scheffler, 10-6. Hideki Matsuyama, 10-3. I think Victor's fine. I think Scotty's fine. I think there's a pretty strong case to be made for Hideki Matsuyama as the second best option in the $10,000 range. When we did the um, the power rankings, last 24 four rounds whose name was at the top Hideki Matsuyama's name was 2.07 strokes gained per round let me show you something about Hideki around Bay Hill and I will remind you that um you know he tends to play well on difficult golf courses right you know the memorial he's won at and obviously Augusta National is no small is no small task Uh, but let me show you what he's done at Bay Hill and I think this is kind of important So here we go. Um, Here are his seven trips to this event, and he has just absolutely hemorrhaged strokes on the putting surface, which is not all that unusual. And when you actually look at this from a historical context, let me show you Hideki's worst putting performances ever. Uh, And of the bottom, like, 13 or so, you'll see that the Arnold Palmer Invitational, Bay Hill, is like three of his bottom 11 or 14. So he really struggles putting here. However, he lost 8.3 strokes putting in 2019, finished T33. 
lost six in 2020, finished T56, lost four and a half in 2015, finished T21. Only Hideki can get away with that, right? Those are missed cuts, horrible finishes for anybody else who's losing that many strokes with the putter. So when I look at that, I see upside available. If Hideki can putt to zero, oh my God, what is he going to do at this event? And believe it or not, in 2022, Hideki is a positive putter. So I think we're getting a really good combination of recent form, uh, upside in his course history, and an improvement in his worst skill set. That is all very, very exciting. So as of this moment, I think um, based on price, based on everything that I see, Rory one, Hideki two, and then you can kind of, you know, take the other guys any way that you want when you start factoring in salaries. They're all good plays, but I think Rory and Hideki, for me, stand alone a bit. Really fascinating $9,000 range. Uh, Sung J.M. is 9900 Was super chalky last week. I believe he was 21% owned. He misses the cut. Are you willing to go back to Hideki? I think the answer is you probably should be. Uh, let me not just, I'm going to pull up the Holy Grail here, but I'm actually going to show you the fantasy data. We're playing a fantasy game, right? I'm going to show you the fantasy data for Sungjae here. So this is fantasy results for Bay Hill last four years. Rory McIlroy is gaining on average 49 DraftKings points to the field. That's an insane number. After that, of guys who have played this event multiple times in the last four years, Sungjae M is next. He's gaining 39 DraftKings points to the field. That means you, you take whatever the average is for that week. If you score more than that, you gain you gain fantasy points. It's just like strokes gain. Sung JM is next. So what are we going to do with a chalky miscut going to a place he's had a lot of great success? Third place, third place, 21st place, and of course the fantasy points are there as well. You have to kind of ask your question about, ask that question about these three, the next three. So it's Sung J two, Chris Kirk three, Keith Mitchell four. Those guys were all pretty popular last week. Sungjae was the only one that really burned everybody, though. So we'll see what the industry does with him. But I think it's worth maybe giving one more go around. I cannot stop looking at Matt Fitzpatrick. And I want to show you his holy grail here because I want to make sure that I get strength of field loaded in. Um, so we'll do the last two seasons here. And I will click on Matt Fitzpatrick. And I just want to start to look through some of these results. So going back to last year's Genesis, which is down here at the bottom. T5, strength of field, 610. WGC, workday, strength of field, 755. T11. T10 at this event last year, 471. Players, 866. T9. I see T10 in Phoenix, right? I see a golfer that when strength of field goes up, and uh, courses get difficult and fields get deep, he's finding his way to the top of the leaderboard. I see a golfer who has gained strokes off the tee basically every event for a full year. The two that he lost on were less than a stroke, less than a half a stroke over four days is what he lost off the tee. Um, this, to me, is setting up really well for him. Then you realize, well, I wonder if he has any history around around Bay Hill. And the answer to that, of course, is is Yes. Uh, he does, and let me go back a little bit further here and find, uh, oh boy, find Fitzpatrick, stand by, I gotta clear my filters here. Here's his history, last three years, three top tens, 10th, 9th, runner-up finish, they missed the cut the year before that, then he went 13th and 27th, so as much as like, I'm trying to over, I'm not trying to overlook Matt Fitzpatrick, I just can't stop looking at him, everything that I look at keeps coming back to him, and I wonder 
what the industry will do. So he withdrew before the Honda Classic, or I'm sorry, before the Genesis Invitational, but it was a stomach bug. He just wasn't feeling well, no real injury there, seemingly ready to rock and roll. So I'm I'm firing him up. Let's go. Maddie Fitzpatty. Not nearly as excited about the uh, the $8,000 range. I wish I could see more from Billy Horschel because I think on paper, this place is setting up well for him, but he's now lost strokes tee to green, I think in three of his four starts this year. He's missed three cuts in a row. He's never gained strokes tee to green at this event. I'm, I'm worried. I'll take a beat and we'll try to find uh, Sam Burns another week. Uh, Paul Casey has probably been better than you remember because the last time we saw him, well, we saw him at the Genesis Invitational, but before that it was the CJ Cup in October. And the Genesis, he was vintage Paul Casey, wasn't he? Small gain off the tee, a huge gain on approach, loses a stroke putting. I'd be thrilled if he lost a stroke putting this week and that's all he lost. All right. I'd be I'd be thrilled by that. Um, and and he played well at the Saudi International and in Dubai and at the DP World Tour. So he's actually gained strokes on the field in six consecutive starts, while only two of them being on the PGA Tour. Uh, but don't discount golf being played across the globe. And then you look at his API history and you see two top 10 finishes in his last three starts. Very good on approach. The putter has actually popped at times. So uh, Casey has probably been better than you think. And then finally, in this $8,000 range, um, Keith Mitchell is here. We already showed him on the Holy Grail for being uh, great in terms of fantasy points at Bay Hill. But if you want to go like pretty short-term, last 20 rounds, Keith Mitchell's your eighth best player in this field. He's been better than Hideki. Now, Hideki's been better for like the last 12 or 16, I bet, or whatever it was that I had up before. But or I think it was 24. But, you know, he's he's right there in the conversation. Keith Mitchell's been very good. He drives it well. It's a skill set that you're going to have to have. If you're playing out of the short grass, you are just at such an advantage. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult for everybody. But if you can drive it well, uh, like Keith Mitchell does, three consecutive top 12 finishes, I, I, I think you could certainly be excited about rostering uh, Keith Mitchell. The $7,000 range, stacked field, so there's some pretty good names down here. This is the section of the board where I like to start using the data to see if I can find some hidden gems or some guys that I haven't considered because there's so many golfers in the $7,000 range. There's so many golfers in the $6,000 range. Like, let's see how these guys are being separated. And I think one of the ways that I want to start to do this is with strength of field. So we don't know what the strength of field is going to be for this week yet. It hasn't been calculated by the official World Golf Rankings. We should probably get that maybe later on Monday or on Tuesday. But knowing that Phoenix was a 510, I believe was the number, it's going to be it's going to be over 500, right? It's going to be pretty it's going to be pretty significant. So I'll go to the Holy Grail and I'll just fire this up for players in this field since 2008 and I will adjust the strength of field to 500 or more and that's that's anything. That's PGA, it's European Tour. I think actually there's only PGA events that get over 500, but like it would account for anything. And then I'm going to sort by Strokes gain total, and I'm just going to start going through the guys that I see in the $7,000 range. The first one is Justin Rose. Now, Rose, who at one time during this stretch was the number one player in the world, this shouldn't be surprising, but let's click his name and see what he's done recently. Yeah, so you, you can see, as I scroll back, you know, this stretch right here from August 2017 
to July 2019, he was he was awesome. He was dominant. We have not seen that version of him since. Actually, in in these events, these difficult events, he's lost a ton of strokes in three of his last four. He's had a couple of good moments, the PGA Championship, the Masters, but it's more bad than good. So I kind of, you know, he's interesting, but I, I, I'm not saying, oh, he's clearly the best player here just because a lot of that stuff was done previously. Uh, Taylor Moore is also here. He only has four rounds. Taylor Moore is in the $6,000 range. T21 at the Genesis, so it was just that recent finish. What else do we have? Jason Day, again, probably similar situation to Justin Rose where a lot of that was done previously, and it looks like it has. So his last... Oh boy. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He's lost nine of his last 13 or so in strength of fields that are 500 or more. Okay, so we'll keep rolling there. Stenson, similar thing. Cam Young. Cam Young's got 12 rounds. A lot of it boosted by the T2 at Genesis and the T26 in Phoenix. Not bad there. Drives it well. Good club head speed. Actually, I think on paper... This is probably a better spot for Cam Young than last week was, and he played well last week. Maybe we just run Cam Young right back out there. Lee Westwood is here, probably a similar situation. Maybe I should just do like the last three years. This is silly. Let's so I'll, I'll since the start of 2020 because I don't want to go through all these. Okay, Patrick Reed, but again, he's fallen off a cliff. It's kind of hard to find these guys that have played well. Sahith, Sahith, I believe is how he actually pronounces it. So T3 in Phoenix. Gain strokes at the Genesis, gain strokes at the Memorial, lost at the U.S. Open, lost at the Travelers. That's not bad. Corey Connors. What's Corey been up to? It's not bad, man. He gains a ton of strokes off the tee. So I was hoping to find a little bit more tangible stuff there in the $7,000 range. But the way that I look at it, um, I'd, I'd be happy to run Chris Kirk back out there, right? Played well last week, played well in Phoenix, has three consecutive top 15 finishes. And I wonder if people are just going to move on from Chris Kirk after, after uh, you know, him being fairly popular last week. I wouldn't mind running him right back out there. Uh, Cam Young, as I mentioned, I wouldn't mind that. We're starting to see some more consistent play from Sebastian Munoz, $7,000 flat, 23rd in Phoenix, 21st at Riviera. The thing I like about Munoz is when you catch him in a hot streak or something like that, like he can go really, really hot. He's volatile, right? He's, he's likely to miss the cut, but when he gets going, he can actually finish inside the top 10 of some of these events, which a lot of the guys in the bottom of the $7,000 range, you don't have that same sentiment towards. So I don't mind Munoz at 7,000, but boy, I think we're struggling here. Let's go down to the sixes. Anything that remotely stands out in the sixes. Let's do this. Let's go back to the power rankings. We'll do the last 20 rounds. Um, we'll sort it by strokes gain total, and we'll find the guys in the 6K range. So the first name that shows up is Padraig Harrington, but that is a lot of um, Champions Tour and DP World Tour data. There's also Andrew Putnam and Patton Kazire. Let's... Let's deep dive those guys. So let's do Putnam and Kazire and see if we can find a little bit of magic here from these guys. Putnam, Putnam, Putnam. Loses strokes off the tee consistently. Pretty good on approach. Putter's cooled off a little bit, but he's generally a better putter than that. Let's see what his history around Bay Hill is. T4 and a miscut, man, he, It's it's got to be pretty volatile, right? T48 cut, T6 in his last three, but he's got another couple of top 30s this year. He's played well this year. He's played well this year. I'll give him that. I do worry about the off the tee. Um, 
I, I that that scares me a little bit, knowing how important that is. Let's see what Kazire's been up to, because Kazire is actually somebody that I wrote up. I want to say last fall uh, for Golf Digest when I I, they, I I did a column that was like. Um, Guys who are going to win you money in the fall or the 2022 season, something like that. I can't remember what it was. And Kazire is exciting because he's a he scores a ton of fantasy points. Yeah, he can do a lot of streaks. He can make eagles. He can just kind of get hot at times. Uh, but he he really struggled at the end of of 2021. 2022 has actually been a lot better for him. He's gained strokes. Not a ton, but he's gained strokes in four of his last five. He had a T10 in Phoenix, a T22 at the American Express. Missed, I mean, his is gained three or more strokes on approach in four of his last five. That's basically all you could ask for, quite frankly. Let's see where he's priced at. He's 60. Wow, he's 6,500. I thought he was going to be closer to 68. 6,500. Patton Kazire doesn't have a lot of great history here. Two missed cuts in 18 and 17, 57th in 2021. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. And Nick Taylor has been surprisingly good. I want to see how he's been doing that before I get super excited about it. But let's see what Nick Taylor is. Because every time I see his name, it's coming up near, you know, the first couple pages of the leaderboard. So let's see. Yeah. Wow. It's good stuff. So this year, plus two on approach at the American Express, plus two, plus two, minus one, plus six. That was last week. Couple of top 20s, four top 35s. In five starts, gain T to green in all but one this year. It's not bad. I don't mind this at all. So Nick Taylor, Pat and Kazire would open up um, a bit of salary cap relief. For, I think the other thing with Kazire is he's a great Bermuda putter. Let me see. Let's check out the, the uh, Bermuda putters in the field. Yeah, here's the last three seasons of Bermuda putting. Pat and Kazire is like ninth on this list. And if you click into it, you'll see... He loses strokes, so it's this column here. Uh, he loses strokes more, not more often than not, but he loses strokes a lot of the time considering the fact that he's a big gainer. Uh, but you can see the pops, right? F plus five at Valspar, plus eight, plus four, plus three and a half, plus three and a half. That's kind of the way you want to earn these top tens. Just have a have a pop putting week, which is uh, seemingly what Kazire is capable of doing. Okay, let's run a model and see what we can find here. This is this has been fascinating little research uh, experiment. All right, the custom model on rickrungood.com. What are we going to do? Last 24, I know that I've got to rock with approach and distance. So we'll do weighted approach with a strong field. I don't mind that. So let's go 25 on weighted approach. We'll do 25 on distance. We'll go, I've got 50 left. Um, I kind of like, oh boy. We did sand save and I think that popped up some good guys last week, but there's, um, maybe we could do scrambling. I mean, par is going to be a good score. I don't think it's going to be as hard as last week, at least in terms to par because it's a 72. Let's do par five scoring with 20. Whoops. 20. Whoops. Jeez. I cannot type 290. Uh, that leaves us with 30. So then I think I want to go. Oh boy. 15 on scrambling and 15 on regular 
strokes gain putting. Well, that's that's interesting little nugget that I've just done there. Okay, all right. Let's see what let's see what this let's see what this shows. Last do I have last twenty four rounds? Yeah, okay. Last twenty four rounds. Oh boy, John Rom. Yeah, and actually, a pretty significant gap between Rom and number two. Hideki Matsuyama. Victor's three. Scotty's four. Zalatoris and Sungjae are five and six. Leishman didn't even talk about him. He's won this event. Leishman is seven. Wow. Casey, eight. Okay. And Cam Young, nine. Sheamus back in action, 10. Wow. Okay. So my initial thoughts, love the validation of Hideki being number two. Kind of like the idea of Sungjae being right back in it at number six. Leishman, interesting. Casey, better than I thought. That was my perception. Cam Young, wow. Okay, so this is um, this is kind of fun. I like this. Let's sort this by salary. And just kind of see. Yeah, Rory, get, what does Rory get a big knock for? Oh, the approach play. Rory gets a big knock for the approach play. That's not 100% fair to him because of the way the stats come in and the DP World Tour and stuff like that. But um, that's not 100% fair to him. But that's where he gets the knock. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Well, there you go. I've got a little bit of homework to do. Mark Leishman, figure out what I'm going to do with Paul Casey. Let me know what you think. You can tweet me at Rick Rungood. You can leave a comment below. Best of luck this week, and I'll talk to you guys soon.